0: Hi everyone, I'm Megan, and welcome to Word Crash, the game show where questionable plots compete for your vote to win a place in the Word Crash Hall of Infamy. Let's meet our contestants. She's a fantasy and science fiction author who blends grim dark with romance, and has an unhealthy obsession with dragons, tacos, and beer. Please welcome KJ Heroic. Hello! Welcome. Next, from Portland, Oregon, he's an improv comedy performer who writes sci-fi, comedy, and horror. His latest screenplay is poised to take a bite out of the vampire genre. Please welcome back to the show our friend, Luke Swanzinger.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: (laughs) Well, nothing left to do but get to it. Let's play some Word Crash. Strap in and get ready to jump to light speed. It's time for In Space. In this game, we ask our contestants to add In Space to the end of any book or movie and tell us what the new plot is. KJ, why don't you go first? So
2: since I write science fiction, I had to kind of reach for something that was a little bit different. So I chose the others in space. So born and raised on the starship Spectra, Lydia only knows her brother and the crewmate she calls family. When she receives a distress signal from a drifting derelict, Lydia is certain the mining transit is haunted and ghosts are taking up residence in her ship. Now Lydia is determined to find out what killed them before her crew suffers the same fate.
0: This is great. So let's get some setting down. Is this a Starship Enterprise kind of ship? Is this a dirty Star Wars battleship? What does it feel like?
2: This one feels more like a transit ship. You know, and they come across a derelict mining ship. Uh, There's nobody in there. But as she's kind of going between the ships, she's sees a person and then she sees another one and she's kind of like where are you appearing from because she knows the original crew has died. If you've ever seen the others you know there's quite a few little twists in there. I kind of want to show this. she's trying to figure out this mystery and solve why these people are appearing. Are they ghosts? Are they people who died in this mining ship? And then she has a little twist of her own.
0: We have the main character established. Luke, who else do we have in this crew that she has to contend with or socialize with or deal with or or love?
1: Right, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's obviously going to be the, the hydroponics gardener. All of these gothic stories have to have a gardener, but we're in space, so it's the hydroponics gardener who's cantankerous. They've been on this ship like for an unspecified amount of time, but for some reason, the plants are still growing. It is the one space on the ship that still has a semblance of life to it. Like it is overgrown, but there is something beautiful in the overgrowth. But there's also something ominous in the trailing vines of plants. Probably tomatoes, nice pop of red. We need some good fruits and vegetables while we're in space. You gotta fight that space scurvy.
0: Gotta fight space scurvy. <laughs> Absolutely. Millions of people die every year from space scurvy and, and only you can prevent it.
1: And his name's Herman, by the way. Herman and hydroponics.
0: Love it. We need a captain, unless our protagonist is the captain.
2: No, she and her brother were born and grew up on the ship. Mm-hmm. And their mother disappeared years ago, but they don't know why. They think she faced herself.
0: And what's the relationship like between these two siblings? Because, you know, it can be loving or toxic, or both.
2: I think it's both, honestly. When you grow up together, you are toxic together and you love each other. That when somebody else is toxic and tries to get into the relationship, there's definitely a protectiveness
1: that comes around. We've got Lydia and her brother, Trevor.
0: (laughs) Trevor. Very good. Trevor. Which one's the more competent? Definitely
2: going to be Trevor because Lydia needs room to grow.
0: Trevor's got his act together. He's very Mm -hmm. competent in what he does. What does he do on the ship?
2: I want to say he's a junior engineer. He likes to be a fix-it person, but the way he fixes it isn't always by the manual. Mm -hmm. Him and the real engineer actually
0: have quite a few of it. So now we have our backdrop, right? What's that opening scene
1: like? A nightmare sequence is a great way to set the tone in which we kind of have, like, exterior space. We have the ship that they're working on, and then, like, they she's dreaming of this derelict ship they come upon it so we get to see the exterior and then the ghost of her mom like collides with the derelict ship and she wakes up to an alarm as their ship has collided with this derelict ship so we're already in crisis but we've already set something is off here
0: love it what part of the ship that she's on or this mining ship is the scariest place and why
1: we can
2: circle back to hydroponics. I mean, we've set it up nicely as this green, lush area with a little bit of an ominous feel. So when you circle back to it, all of a sudden you kind of get rid of that wow factor and that sort of um, awe that you see in everything. And you start to really look beneath the foliage and find out that there's, there's something a little more sinister going on.
0: Luke, what's our first clue that something's very wrong? Not just a derelict ship. There's something very wrong here.
1: I mean, they find a survivor, obviously. They go through the ship. No one's there. But then they do find someone in their hydroponics as well. So, like, there's one sole survivor in the derelict ship's hydroponics. How did that one person survive? They're obviously a traumatized individual, perhaps nonverbal at this point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so they have to hook them up to their brain scanner and we get to see this, like, amazing tech that we have. And, like, we're able to, like, generate fragments of images from this survivor of their life. And see into, perhaps, the terror that slowly unlocks as the film goes on. As they're unlocking the brain, they see these fragments. Herman sees something, goes white, and walks away. People notice that he's not feeling well, but they're like, what did Herman see? Mm-hmm. Our protagonist, Lydia, has to like go and like she's she's had this relationship with Herman. He's been almost perhaps a a surrogate father figure in her life.
0: She needs to make some kind of connection and learn something, something about what's going on. In horror movies, you normally have these disposable characters, the ones that bite it first. Is this that kind of movie? Do we need to establish who that person is, that first one to die?
2: Definitely. But, you know, a lot of movies really kind of get rid of um, an irritating person right away to start scaling back that cast. I want to get rid of somebody important right away Mm -hmm. so that it gives more of an impact. And also anyone who reads or watches this goes, oh, they're going there. They're going to get rid of a best friend or a sibling or, oh, God, who else is going to die? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who's going to be the last man standing?
0: (laughs) Does that mean... Trevor's on the chopping block.
2: I think the captain's on the chopping block first. Somebody who okay. holds this crew together and keeps them going.
1: Yeah, create a power vacuum. Nothing like a power vacuum yeah. to really ratchet tensions up.
2: Exactly. So I'm thinking she, how does she die? So yeah. here's where the surrogate mother comes in. She's somebody who is a female, but she's in power. So she doesn't really take on the role of mother or father, but she has those very rare moments where she can be very endearing to Lydia and Trevor, but they all respect her and love her, and so when she dies, power vacuum, there's a loss of family, and suddenly everybody has their jobs, but they have nobody to sort of be the spider within the web, the
0: web's falling apart. Well, if we go back to that antagonist person you were talking about, right, that uh, person nobody likes, can that be the person arguing with Lydia or maybe somebody else about who's in charge of the ship now?
2: Yeah, Trevor's boyfriend.
0: Oh, Trevor's boyfriend. Oh. Sounds fantastic. Yes,
2: somebody in electronics or who takes care of the ship's systems and... So maybe they feel like they have a little bit of power because they know how everything works from a software level. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've got quite a a dynamic here. You've put Trevor in the middle of his sister and his boyfriend and there's a power Mm -hmm. struggle on the ship and still there's this spooky thing outside. What's the next spooky thing to happen?
1: I think they've got to scrap parts from this derelict. Like, like, you know, resources are very sparse and you can't leave this stuff behind. They've determined that it's one survivor. And so protocol is they've got to bring scraps off of this ship. Trevor and his boyfriend are set in charge to go and scrap out the ship. But of course space is, it's hard to be in space. Anything can go wrong. And they're stripping, perhaps, antennas off of the ship, bringing back some electronics, some valuable parts. A piece breaks off, cuts open a suit.
0: Terrifying.
2: Right about that time that a suit injury happens, I think somebody should be standing on the hull, one of the ghosts, kind of reaffirming this, the ship might actually be haunted. You've got somebody without a face suit that's just standing there and staring at
0: We've got people dying right and left. We could probably kill a couple more people and it would be very exciting and it's spooky. But how's this resolve? What's that secret reveal you were talking about before?
2: Lydia's dead. She's the first one who's stepped foot in the ship. So she's actually the one that's dead. And she's the one that's trying to pull people together and take care of them and doesn't realize that it doesn't matter what she does. She could walk right out into space and she'll be fine
0: this is going to take a lot of planning and cinematography here to get conversations to happen where she's there, but don't matter. Like you could watch back the conversation and she's actually not participating. She's not picking up any tools. She indicates to people what tools and they pick them up. Mm -hmm. What's the resolution now? She's dead. What, where'd she, where did we go from here? Or is that the end of the movie? Is it just like, boom, you're dead. Credits roll.
1: Well, I think we go back to the visions of her spaced mom. The mom who's died. Lydia has been continually reconnecting with her mom in death. And when she finally realizes that she's able to let go and be in this ghostly afterlife with her mother and let her brother live on, it's also a tragic reveal because so much of the ship has died... (laughs) because of the ghostly entities that Lydia has to remain behind and send Trevor on with the ship. And Trevor has to jury rig the ship with his knowledge and leave his sister who keeps the ghosts at bay.
0: After the ship escapes and her mother comes down and brings her to the afterlife. No.
2: I want to say they're in a decaying orbit around another world. What they're doing is they're waiting for the ship to eventually crash And then they can be reborn into this other life, this other type of entity and continue on, you know, recycling. Sorry, I'm not a big on the heaven and hell thing.
1: I love subverting that narrative too. This is a way that they become reincarnated and populating a new planet even um, is a very interesting way.
0: Kat, you're surprising me in all the best ways. All the best (laughs) ways. Let's make the captain a girl. Let's not talk about death as heaven and hell. Let's do reincarnation. I'm, I'm becoming a super fan right now. Like, I'm going to try yes. not to hand any more tropes to you. I will let you subvert all the tropes you want. This is great. Now, do we have a name for this movie? Spectre. Spectre. Name
2: of the ship, and it kind of has a ghostly ring to it, To sort of hint that something's weird.
0: Spectre. Coming winter of 2024, to a theater near you, Spectre.
2: (laughs) I better start writing it.
1: (laughs) Luke, what do you want to put in space? Oh man, I want to see a holiday film in space. So I'm just thinking like a classic, a modern classic. And then we're going to go with Elf in space uh it just it makes so much sense you know it's already a fish out of water story but instead of realizing that he's human and has to go find his human dad he realizes he's an alien and has to go find his alien parents
2: i love that please cast will ferrell again
0: Why the heck not? I mean, we had Jack Black as a bearded Leoploriodon last time. We can have Will Ferrell back as an alien. Yeah. In Elf, Will Ferrell's character didn't realize that he wasn't an elf. And it was pretty glaring to the rest of us. He was too big. He didn't have pointed ears. What is it about our alien here that's a sure sign that he is not human?
1: We're going to f- flip that elf thing on his head. And, like, he's actually better like he he has six arms he's able to put toys together much better he actually can replicate things out of his mouth create toys and so like he begins to realize none of the other elves have these special powers he's kind of his skin is gelatinous he can like morph uh his body he's not as rigid as most mammals on this planet
0: that would be significantly different for some reason, I didn't put together that this was still about elves. This is still elves in oh. and, and Santa's workshop, mm-hmm. but instead of a human, it's it's an alien.
1: Yeah, so the opening sequence is is very similar. It's Santa's workshop, but he has to... But then he's like, oh, man, I'm an alien. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's right. And his name is Body. Body, the elf. He took that name himself because that's what was left when his parents crashed on the north pole and they gave him a body and so santa rescued this this alien child and then when he got to be old enough santa tells him yes well you are body you're you're not an elf you're an alien he takes a spaceship to space to go meet his parents at alpha centauri
0: ooh okay kj What's the culture like for this alien race that Body's part of?
2: Well, considering that Body has six arms, I almost envision him like a crab—not a crab body, but like all of these arms would each have their own little function. So, my, his home world is all sand and beaches, with mangrove trees actually go, growing out of the sand. So they have these, you know, places to hide underneath. Um, he has all these arms to sort of dig. And that's just the landscape. But as you get to the inner cities, a lot of these buildings are, instead of a single tower, they're sort of built like this, almost like a V or a U shape, like a double
1: and that makes so much sense to put him uh, in this, like, out of water experience. Like, while he was in the North Pole, he had to layer up. He's just like, why am I always so cold? The other elves seem to love it here. He gets to his home planet, and he's like, oh, it's beaches, and it's sunny, like, from two suns. And he's just soaking in the sun, learning. But there's something about the Alpha Centauri culture that, you know, he has to bring the spirit of Christmas to which of course is a completely foreign concept because like, this is based on like Christian tradition that does not exist on Alpha Centauri. So he has to explain the joy and wonder of Christmas without consumerism to him. I'm I'm assuming Alpha Centauri is not a capitalist society. (laughs) I
2: was going to say, it'd be interesting to have this very, very beautiful, bright, warm world and this very dark despair on everyone's faces, maybe an overlord, maybe a queen crab, maybe it's a hive of some type, like it's a hive culture. And then he has to bring this joy and people are like, what the hell is joy?
1: (laughs) Well, he thought he was going to find his parents, but instead he finds that like, there is no parents. There is just the community and the queen of the hive is the one parental figure that he goes to perhaps reform, but then finds himself in this community of folks as well.
0: We get a little Grinch vibe here, right? (laughs) I think it really meshes well. Whenever you try to explain a, a holiday to people and they have no context for it, they're gonna get things wrong. So what is it that Body explains to all of his people on his planet that people just get ridiculously wrong?
2: He tries to share with them a Christmas tree or like a tree and putting you know like decoration balls on there and instead they're taking their egg clusters and they're pulling the eggs apart and just sticking them on these mangrove roots <laughs> they think it's a celebration
0: <laughs> they're gonna mispronounce Santa what are they gonna mispronounce Santa as Luke? Sangria <laughs> Sangria <laughs>
1: And this is the like one of the few things that there that we did get from aliens. Like ancient aliens gets it all wrong, except sangria is the one thing we did get from aliens. The word, the concept, all of it. So they have sangria. This mixed-mold wine is something that is native to Alpha Centauri as well.
0: Love it. <laughs> do we need? I'm putting that out there. Do we need a romantic subplot?
1: I don't think so. I love pitching romantic subplots, but well, I guess Elf does have a romantic subplot, doesn't it? Huh? We've got that Zoe Deschanel.
2: Mm hmm. Oh. But this man. Is a hive culture, so would he be paying homage to the
0: Queen? The Queen is very Grinch like. Body's got to come in and warm her heart and just bring her the spirit of the holiday or their interpretation of the holiday. Because of that, we get some love. We get some some deep understanding and caring. Actually, no, we don't get any of those. We get a willingness. We get a willingness. <laughs> you yeah. can only yeah. go so far.
1: You know, we're already subverting the Christmas film, as it were, by putting Elf in space. But we we have this willingness and openness to changing culture and whatnot. And like we find out perhaps Body was left uh his parents as it were were banished uh for being this way and he has continued his bright outlook on life and has finally brought it back
0: does body have a sidekick that comes with him
1: oh we've got to bring a penguin yeah
0: a penguin yes (laughs) and i ask this every time someone brings an animal does the animal talk
1: yeah okay fantastic I mean, there's there's already, I don't know if you've read, been reading, there's recent speculation that penguins are aliens. It's it's an out-there fringe theory. There's chemical stuff penguins have that is, like, unique-ish to penguins that has also been found on Venus. And we're like, are penguins from Venus? And the answer, our movie, is going to say, resoundingly yes.
0: <laughs> resoundingly As it yes. Be. Yeah. With <laughs> a little Douglas Adams in there. <laughs> So we know that Bodhi's got to warm the heart of the queen. What's that one thing that Bodhi does that finally cracks her cold, cold, dead heart? KJ, we need oh, you yeah. to, to weigh in here. I, I gotta okay. know what would crack your—I mean, her cold, cold, dead heart.
2: He brings her a evergreen seed, and she plants it alongside the mangrove. I think he brings it to her. Maybe she has something that nobody else has now. She's the only one on her planet with the seeds. And now that's the thing that kind of the yeah. ices her little leg.
0: And after that, everyone lives happily ever after. And the joy spreads throughout the planet.
1: Yep. And for every every Christmas, the queen comes and fertilizes the eggs on the trees. And children are birthed every Christmas. And that is the true joy of Christmas.
0: The true joy of Christmas.
2: Until that first sleepless night. Player. Thousands of kids born at once. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: Do we have a name for this?
1: Miracle on Alpha Centauri. I, I love it. <laughs> Let me say that with more confidence Miracle on Alpha Centauri.
0: <laughs> it's time for Secret Sauce where our authors share a technique or strategy they use to keep the creative juices flowing. Today, we have a special topic, inspiration. Luke, where do you look for inspiration?
1: Man, creative inspiration comes from so many places. I think when I find myself completely stopped or at the end of a project, I'm going to take a drive. I'm going to go somewhere unique and special, like just drive through the countryside, find new stories in that space, or even if I'm stuck on a story finding spaces that live in the universe of my stories. And like, can I tell a story there? Can I transplant characters there? My project I'm working on right now actually was born out of just kind of like getting out and looking at things. There is a field out at Powell Butte and I'm like, oh, what if there's a telephone booth in the middle of that field? What's that story? you know and so like I, i'm currently writing like this like it's now like a 1980s retro sci-fi oregon city has this really cool elevator it's like one of the only vertical streets in america it's, it's an elevator and the, at the top there's like this half space needle dome type thing that has now made it into my script and my stories but like i had just finished a project and i was like i'm just gonna go out to oregon city it's like a you know 15 minute drive walk around there, and, like, it was derelict and run down. I was like, oh, what if this is, like, 1980s special facilities? And, like, so I'm just, I'm so inspired by locations. Like, even going to, like, my wife's work and being like, oh, let's walk to the basement. And What's the basement of this building look like? What story can we tell in this basement? Really helps, like, the visual helps spark stories for me.
0: I was thinking about it. When I did a, the majority of the thinking and daydreaming about my book, I lived across the street from Fermilab, the particle collider in Illinois. And ah, wow! I was able to go on campus a couple of times and, and look around. And the buildings there are the most amazing examples of brutalism I have ever seen. If you need that dystopian nightmare of a building that sucks all the creativity and life out of the world, these are the buildings for you. And I'm sure they're very nice to work in, but they are brutal on the outside. (laughs) That definitely inspired me in my work. KJ, have you been inspired by any particular place?
2: I'm huge on location stuff, that's also a big thing. So I also look at, what's a nature show? Where's the jungle? Where's the poisonous plants? How bizarre looking are they? Like Mm -hmm. there's a pretty common flower that when the petals dry out, it looks like a skull. So once everything's dried out, it looks like it's got all these little hanging skulls on it. Yeah, I'm big on location as well, or even what's the flora and fauna in the location.
0: KJ, where do you look for inspiration?
2: My books, none of them are set on Earth or anywhere near Earth, not even in the same universe as Earth. So I'm always looking for what's the weirdest space my characters can be in, and how can I make it weirder? And what would happen to them if they were human and had to step into this space? you know, with our arms and legs and fantasy artwork, basically concept art is one of my biggest inspirations. There are some amazing people out there. Jordan Grimmer is one of them and they just create these landscapes and these ideas that just they're not things that you'll find on earth. They're just bizarre, you know, and they're beautiful and they just, they make the world feel a lot bigger and the character a lot smaller, but also a lot more to play with, a lot of room for growth. The other thing that I really watch is uh, nature shows. Anything that has to do with like locations in the desert, in the jungle, I'm always looking for new plants, new animals, uh, anything underwater, something that's just bizarre, something you're not going to find anywhere else. I needed a monster for this book I was writing. And so I was looking for the most bizarre one I could find and I ran across this YouTube video of something that was, I mean, it looked like it belonged an alien and it was just this weird, almost like a manta ray, but a really ominous green and these legs that were like 12 feet long, just dangling. And it's a real creature and it was just perfect. And I started thinking, God, this thing is creepy and it's gross. Why would it interact with humans? How would it interact with humans? That book has since been shelved, but it's become an inspiration for the series I'm releasing now. So those creatures are in there in some form, but just not until the second book. (laughs) So, Yeah, I just, I like anything that's weird and bizarre because I love to read it. You give me a horrible world and I am a sucker for it. I will keep turning those pages.
1: Oh, I mean, I love looking at the natural world as well and like finding those weird, unique things and even things that like maybe aren't that weird, but like, oh, like I love, I mean, I had a short story about the eye eyes, those little creatures that have like giant eyes and they have like these sticky fingers and like just being inspired. Like, what if that was an alien creature and like, what would it do? And, you know, I was like, what if the fingers suck blood and, (laughs) you know, you know, normal things writers think about. You were talking about the skull plants. I've seen those plants. I'm like, ooh, I love them. In fact, Pinterest recently, I don't use Pinterest a lot. I use it for a mood board. Now I just get emails from Pinterest. It's like, we have some more carnivorous plants that might interest you. (laughs) And I was like, well, at least they know what I want.
0: (laughs) Break out your red pen and grab your thesaurus. It's time for Drop It. Drop a single letter from the title of a book or movie and tell us what the new plot is. Luke, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, so we just took a bunch of movies to space. I'm going to take a movie out of space. Uh, We're going to take the classic film Alien, drop that A, and it simply becomes Lean. Uh, So this is a story about a family that is about to lose their home. Their home has a Lean on it, but they're actually living and working in a company town. So the company that they work for owns their home this is a thing that's happened in america before and it's looking to happen again thanks amazon so let's look at what it really means for the company to own the home that you work in the same company that you work for so the movie lean is a story about a multi-generational family who live and work in like a neogenetics company town in conrad north carolina
2: Okay. I, first of all, I am dying because I almost did the exact same thing. I was looking at it. I was like, what could I drop from Alien? (laughs) Okay, go on, continue.
0: I like this. What's interesting is not only did Amazon do this, but I believe Corning has a whole Corning New York And really? Yeah. And my friend, if you go work for Corning, you rent your apartment from Corning because they have it there and they give you a good deal. But, you know, you rent it from them. So this is something that has happened. And I totally believe that it will happen again. KJ, name a couple members of this family.
2: Well, of course, there has to be grandma. You know, she's been doing this for years and years and years. But now she's got arthritis so bad that she can't. She can't do the work anymore. So she tries to stay at the house and kind of keep an eye on the kids and she cooks. And so it's kind of retired, but at the same time, you know, it's, she also understands that she's a burden on the family because she's, she's there. She can't help the way that she used to.
0: What from these years of being a geneticist has rubbed off on her and will never go away. And it infects all the things that she does.
2: I would say it's working with lab animals. You know, there comes a point where you have to see them as not really a living creature because you're testing on them. But at the same time, there's another point where you've done enough damage to enough creatures that you start to feel like a murderer.
0: Wow. Okay. So, so grandma's got this dark side, and it comes up with the family dog, maybe?
1: Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah.
0: She's got some trauma around the family dog. Everybody loves a dog. Everyone snuggles a dog. All she can remember are those beautiful eyes when they're dead. And when she had to kill them, put them down when they were done. Luke, let's get another member of this family.
1: We've got to have the son, Linus, the son of Grandma. His Linus, he's company man, you know, kind of following, following in his parents' footsteps. But he's been working at the lab now for... 27 years and has children of his own and is starting to question the ethics of what's going on in this town and is trying to get out. He wants to get his family out, but he faces the stark financial reality that he can't leave. He's going to have to like take some pretty major hits to leave, not only financially, but perhaps ethically, morally, as the company's asking him to do things Mm. that get darker and darker.
0: Whenever you get into this morals and ethics thing, I can't help but think of the whole boiling the frog. By the time he (laughs) has been through this for so long, 27 years, he's been boiling the frog. The ethical ramifications have got to be huge. Like the average person has got to be like, what do you mean that this is the straw that broke the camel's back? This is already insane. What's that thing?
1: Oh, man. I mean, perhaps his kids i mean it's got to be the kids right it's always the corrupted children the fly in the ointment as it were uh so the children the corrupted children are the fly in the ointment for linus uh he looks at his children and sees what they are okay with they are also in the company schools Mm -hmm. they're being educated within this system and he begins to see what's happening and like we're gonna bring in the family pet you know we've We've seen pets, but we've got Bonesy the dog.
0: Bonesy? I'm sorry. I just I have to take a second. <laughs> Bonesy the dog.
1: <laughs> I mean, we're, we're taking inspiration from Alien. We've got Jonesy. We're going to go with Bonesy the dog. Golden Retriever. Now, before you get too upset, Bonesy is going to make it out. Bonesy is going to be one of our survivors. Spoiler, not everyone in the family is going to survive getting out.
2: That's where the twins come in, the children. They're teenagers, very rebellious. One is headed down the path of a company person. The other one is headed down the path of let's flip off the establishment and let's leave and leave our family behind.
0: What action is it that the kids do that the father's like, okay, this isn't right? They got to cross some line that he wouldn't cross, And they probably need to do it with genetic manipulation. So, KJ, who or what or how do they manipulate someone's DNA that horrifies the father?
2: Goodness, I can go so many spaces, but I feel like they're treading on terrible space. Let's take this idea of a body and essence or the core of who you are are two different things. There are people that try to climb out of their bodies and basically shed this life and you can't just you know, unzip a zipper and get out. So now they're toying with this idea of genetically enhanced implant base of the neck to where you could pull the essence out of there. Think of it like stacks from altered carbon. Mm-hmm. So you could take the twins and essentially just replace each one in the other's body.
0: Oh, maybe one of the kids forces yeah. a body swap on someone who doesn't want to do it.
2: Yes. Once forcing a body swap, once trying to get out before their body is
0: pulled in. Interesting. And you want the twins to swap, or you want one of the twins to just go crazy and decide that they want to be the mailman?
1: Grandma does a body swap. One. Ooh,
0: Grandma does a body swap. Oh, be interesting. She's terrified of being old and dying. Yep. And one of the one of the kids.
2: Oh, that's
0: so good. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Editor's note, there seems to be audio issues that plague the rest of this episode. We apologize for any inconvenience and hope that you can still enjoy our program. And now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, she's been kind of phased out of the programs, mm-hmm. and they she's been kind of let go on retirement, and she works with the company, company line track twin to bring the rebellious twin back in line by body swapping her
0: you put the rebellious twin I in grandma's that. body that would bind the
2: rebellious twin where she can't make the
0: downfall of the
2: family and that would give grandma in back in oh i love this family
0: they're dark and evil this is the dark and evil freaky friday <laughs> I love that. this oh. is the dark and evil freaky friday
1: the black beer Freaky Friday. That's that's what we're working on right here.
0: Yeah. So then it's Linus's job to put everything back together and pull his kids out of here?
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay.
0: We get to that point where he discovers this. He discovers that grandma is in one of his twins' body. His mother's not going senile. It's actually his kid babbling on about, I can't believe I'm old and what's happening to me. How does he deal with that? What's his lowest point like when he finds this out?
1: The company tries to give him hush money. Like, the company tries to promote him and say that, like, look, you know, like, this is breaking cutting edge. Your family has done the things that we've been not allowed to do. Grandma wanted to do this stuff before and then was pushed out. And so they're like, we finally made the breakthrough into human testing and we have viable ways to do this. Great job. We're going to give you a home. And he has to make the choice, money or ethics. Can he get his twins back? Can he save his his mom? Mm -hmm. Uh, He has to come to terms that his mom has not only corrupted herself, his children, as well as himself.
2: I want to say at the very end, he sacrifices himself to get the one twin away. The rebellious one that was
1: the rebellious one and, and Bonesy's are, are going to uh, ride off into the sunset in, in their, their hidden, like, 1970s VW van. Bonesy and Ophelia, you know, our, our twin, are going to run and going to make it off into the metaphorical sunset of Canada. Like but before it. we get to that moment, he has to get her out of Grandma's body.
2: I think he's going to have to trap her. But in a way that she can't return to her body,
1: maybe
2: she's
0: dying. How is he going to trap the mother?
1: She actually goes down to the secret facility and she's trying to bring back his dad who died 20 years prior as, as a man in his forties, as it were. And so he finds the secret facility of, of clones has to trap her down there. This being a film, we've got to have a ticking time clock. Grandma's body is on her last legs, Um, so he has to get his daughter out before she dies in Grandma's body as well, Um, which has to have some sort of body horror, Mm -hmm. perhaps a spinal tap of sorts. Yeah, that that face flinch, I know this is a podcast, but the face flinch that happened here is exactly what we want audiences to do. (laughs) This final gruesome moment.
0: I'm glad I could exemplify the emotion that you're going for.
1: I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh. But uh That's
0: what makes (laughs) it great. (laughs) Lean is the name, and in the end, the teenage girl and her dog gets away.
1: Yeah. To Canada. To Canada.
0: What happy ending does not include Canada? KJ, what letter of what title are you dropping for us today?
2: All right, we're going to start with the dub letter W, and we're going to ju- drop it out of John Wick, a nice gritty film that's now going to become John Ick. <laughs> so, <laughs> John recently <laughs> lost his mother, who used to pack him gummies every day in his lunch. But now he has a new guardian who sends him to school with, paper, with green paper stuff. No lunch, no gummies. When John discovers he can make gummies in his nose, he begins selling them on the schoolyard to make enough green paper to buy a new family.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe this is—I believe this is what they call high concept. <laughs> and it that would be kids. And ick would be definitely the key word there. Absolutely. So, this gummy that he can pull out of his nose is actually edible and tasty to people who don't know where it comes from
2: no i unfortunately i got this idea uh, my kids are little two of them and they have a nose picking habit sometimes and that's kind of where it came from they love gummies <laughs> i'm like
0: you know you encourage this don't you
2: no, no. Every time I see a finger up there, I'm like, are you looking for gummies? Oh, that's no. what you mean.
0: That's what you mean. Okay, I get it now. I get it now. Wow. <laughs> it dragged us in a whole new direction, didn't I? <laughs> Luke, Luke, where can you take this?
1: Oh, man. There, there's so many places we can take this. So obviously, he's selling these gummies to make money so who's buying these perhaps the the school bullies to put in other children's food
2: or to use in their spitwad
1: exactly oh man nothing nothing like a like a gummy spitwad uh <laughs> you don't you don't even need paper at that point it's already got the right texture the right ick factor again face faces is happening right here on, on this auditory medium uh and and you at home are probably making the same face as as we describe the the viscous nature of these brown, yellow, green ones. And in fact, they actually can charge different amounts for the different colors. And so this becomes a little bit of a dietary film too for children, an educational dietary film, because the kids begin eating different things to realize they can change the texture of their gummies. And the kids actually begin eating a little bit healthier to give it just a little bit more of that slime at this point, but the new parental figure begins a little confused as to why the children are asking for, for healthier options on their food.
0: And so if there's a market for this, who's the competition? Selling we his gummies. We need another
2: boy in the schoolyard that has a cold or sinus infection. So all of a sudden he's got way more gummies than John does. And they're a little bit slimier too.
0: But- I could just see a scene now Where it's a close-up, it's just a close-up sideways shot of a brick wall. And all of a sudden, splat! And someone's like, Billy! Billy, yours are amazing! We could charge ten times as much as that other guy! Dun-dun-dun! Yeah, because people
2: are slimy and springy and...
1: (laughs) I've lost all my listeners at this point. (laughs) Look, I know how to bring them back we've got a kung-fu style sequence in which John tries to pour a neti pot into Billy's nose. <laughs> in order to clear him out? Yeah. Clean out the competition both literally and figuratively.
2: So that after scene where the glass is broken, the walls shattered, and there's blood everywhere. It's actually snot everywhere. It's
1: just snot everywhere, yeah. Snot
2: on the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe so- some shoes kind of tossed to the side.
0: <laughs> How does he know that he's done, that he's got enough money to buy a new family? How much does buying a new family cost in this world?
2: I think that's kind of what I was just thinking about is John still has to be looking for this, this new family. And I think he has this sight set maybe on his teacher or one of the teachers that she could be the perfect mom because she's always so nice to him. So the more that he shows him kindness even in the face of this, you know, this whole, the grief and everything he's dealing with, I think he feels like he wants to, you know, he keeps leaving her dollars or something happens to bring them into that realization. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I feel like he has to have his eye on somebody he wants as his family.
0: Maybe he thinks that there's something he can buy that will buy her love. If I just give her this thing that I think she wants Then she'll accept me as their child, and maybe I can go live with her and not some family that doesn't care about him or that he thinks doesn't care about him. Luke, what is he gonna buy this teacher mother
1: interest? My mind first just goes to like buying a car. What more does like a kid want than like cool cars? And obviously, like she wants a cool car. And so he saves up and trades in everything. So he's collecting all these cards, takes it all to a pawn shop trades in the cards, and realizes he doesn't have enough for the Escalade, but he is able to afford a secondhand Honda Civic.
0: I'm I'm getting the feeling that instead of a pawn shop, he should go to a convention. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's trading cards with other kids to get more gummies?
2: I think the teacher needs to be a cosplayer. He saw her first at a convention, and she was trying to win one particular prize off of whatever franchise that she loves. And so now
0: he's going back to the convention to try to win that for her. Does he end up winning it?
2: No. Yeah.
1: Oh. Ooh. Three, two, one, fight. (laughs) No, we've got to have the all is lost moment. He he sells one final thing, but by the time he comes back, like he's not able to, to buy it. But unbeknownst to him, his new guardian and his teacher have been secretly dating.
0: Very nice, very nice. Everything works out for John Ick. Okay.
1: And he gets the family that he always wanted and realizes that like, it's not the cost of things, but it's the love that you give and invest in one another.
0: And he realizes that as okay. his fingers going to his nose and he looks at his finger and he's just like, meh.
1: And he flicks it behind him and it hits Billy.
0: It <laughs> hits Billy. <laughs> This requires an after credit scene.
2: Okay, it requires that after credit family guy scene where he's got the booger on his nose and he keeps trying to flick it off and he can't ever get it. And then he, you know, wipes it on the car and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's just a whole mess. (laughs) Something like that.
0: By far the ickiest of all stories that anyone has ever proposed here on Word Crash, John Ick. Before we go, it's time to give our authors a chance to talk about what's new and exciting in their lives. Luke, what's up?
1: Oh man, i uh, been doing a lot of screenwriting these days, had a couple things placed in some screenwriting competitions. Screenwriting being such a lonely endeavor, you write so many things that no one gets to see. But... Fortunately, I just did a short film, great way for folks to see things. So we're recording this in October. So I just dropped a little uh, five minute scary horror short called The Insomniac about a creature that feeds on people's fears and appears to them in their deepest, darkest fears. This one is Spiders. Uh, I called it uh, Fun David Fincher. It's brooding at the top and then B-Flick at the top uh, at the the final climax. You can find that on LukeZwan.com. In fact, you can find all my writing there. I have short stories. I have comics. Yeah, aside from that, I'm working on some feature screenplays that I'm shopping around right now. And I've got some uh, short stories I'm developing that will hopefully be live soon. Oh, I have launched an email substack, as it were, it will be distant memory by the time this is released but do you all remember when facebook went down for eight hours it was traumatic for all of us (laughs) uh so i was like hey a great way to connect with folks is a is an email Uh, so i've created an email where i'm going to be talking about filmmaking i'm going to be talking about writing i'm going to be talking a little bit about improv comedy so if that sounds like something that's of interest to you check out my email newsletters on substack again you'll probably be able to find links to that on my website LukeZwan.com. So yeah, that's that's what I've been up to.
0: That sounds super exciting. I'm itching to watch Insomniac Spiders.
1: There's a colon there because the Insomniac uses all kinds of fears. We're like, maybe we'll do more shorts with the Insomniac. So we put a little colon there. Also, it's like B-Flicky to have really long titles of like the Insomniac colon spiders. Uh, (laughs) So if we can get at least eight eyes on it, we'll be very happy. And of course, follow me on all my social medias. I am at Luke Z-W-A-N, Z-W-A-N on, on everything, including TikTok. Yeah, that's right. I'm on Twitter, TikTok, the whole nine yards, except Snapchat. I don't do that. So good luck.
0: Does that mean you're on OnlyFans?
1: By the time this comes out, I will be.
0: <laughs> KJ, what's new and exciting in your life? Well, I just
2: released a book called Bloodflower. It's the first book in the Hidden Flames Artifact series. It mixes science fiction, f- dark fantasy, and a romantic subplot. It's the first book in one a series that will become a little bit dark and disturbing.
0: Wait, so, wait, wait. And dark I, and disturbing. I never would have guessed that you might write something <laughs> dark and disturbing. What? What from today could possibly have indicated that maybe you excel at dark and disturbing science fiction. I just, you know,
2: know.
0: it's out of left field.
2: <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm working on book two right now and I hope to have that ready for my rate, my first round of readers by the end of the year. I'm also working with the portal world publishing crew on an, a dark anthology. What we're doing is we're taking holiday short stories. There are fantasy holidays. So, each of us wrote one short story. Mine is the Bloodflower prequel. It talks about what happens to Jaden before she's in hypersleep and sort of the events leading up to that. Okay, if you guys are interested in Bloodflower, one life is not the end. In the shadow of a derelict starship lies an ecologist aboard an alien moon. Waking up calls forth the source of her nightmares, a deadly tracker who aims to finish what he started 4,000 years ago.
0: Ooh, ominous and dark. We all expect that now.
2: Yeah. I'd be offended, you know. You should be offended if I write anything like fluffy. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on. You guys can find me at kjherowick.com. I have a newsletter. I've got social media platforms. You can buy my book. You can reach sh- free short stories. And you can get ready for the anthology that will drop on December 7th.
0: Congratulations, that sounds fantastic, and we wish you the best of luck. Everyone, check out Bloodflower. So which pitch deserves a place in the Word Crash Hall of Infamy? You tell us. Tweet us at WordCrashGame and vote for your favorite story of the night. Was it The Others in Space or the soon-to-be holiday classic Miracle on Alpha Centauri? Cast your vote now. If you're listening on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe and get in those comments to tell us how you would tackle our questions today everything we talked about are in the links below. Thank you for listening. I'm Megan and this has been Word Crash. Remind you to always get creative.